Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This episode of HR Oxygen is brought to you by the Boss Builders. That would be us. Hey, for this year, we are really ramping up our training options. Now, post-COVID, we did a lot of virtual work. We had our Art of the Great Boss Masterclass. We had, I think, 15 or 20 different cohorts go through it, and we still have cohorts going through it today. It's a great program, one session a month for 13 months. But we also realize that audiences are ready for us to come back on the road and visit them at their house. And so we are implementing a couple of new programs. Well, they're not really new. Well, one of them actually is very new. The first one is our two-day driving results on-site management skills workshop. This involves learning how to manage people, learning about yourself, learning how to motivate, lots of exercises we do together, lots of opportunities to practice. Our second option, though, is a new hybrid option. And so what we wanted to do with this one is to establish an entire year with an organization. Three in-person, one-day on-site visits with virtual sessions in between. So in the in-person sessions, we can really work as groups. We can do some practice, some skill practice, and then we can touch base throughout the year with those individual virtual sessions. So that is our second option. We're obviously going to continue our Art of the Great Boss cohorts. But finally, you can also license and teach our curriculum. We've developed it to the point where really anybody could step in. There's a very robust train the trainer guide. I will also come on site and teach you how to teach the curriculum. So you could do it at your own time, your own pace, your own schedule. For information on all of these programs, just check us out online at thebossbuilders.com. It's a jungle in here. Are you working in the cubicle next to a slob or dealing with a boss that everyone except senior management knows is deranged? With bosses and coworkers like this, the workplace can be a jungle. Human resources, professionals, and company owners beat their way and trek and chop a path through the compliance foliage and undergrowth on any given day. For all of you who suffer, know that you're not alone. Take a ride through the funny side of workplaces. It's like a safari without the real animals, just the ones in your office. And that is a quote from a book from our guest today, Norma Shirk. The book is entitled Psycho Bosses and Obnoxious Coworkers, Lessons Learned from Life in the Jungle. Now, we had Norma on a few weeks ago, and she was talking about mistakes that business owners can make. This one probably hits most of you a little closer to home. And so if you're looking for solutions on some of the challenges you're facing, you'll probably find some in here. But maybe the best thing about this book is you'll realize you are not alone. And sometimes that is actually enough, isn't it? So you've heard her before. Let's hear her again. Norma's a, an amazing speaker, and she's a very, very smart person. So let's enjoy this talk. You know what time it is, though, right? Time for you to make sure that personal item's tucked under the seat in front of you. Make sure the seat belt is buckled low and across your hips. Time for us to taxi to the runway. Should the cabin lose pressure, oxygen masks will drop from the overhead area. Please place the mask over your own mouth and nose before assisting others. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast, the show focused on the overworked, overwhelmed, and underappreciated HR professional. And now, here is the host of our show, the boss builder, Mac Monroe. 
Norma Shirk, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much. I enjoy being here. Well, we had you on uh, just not too long ago. We talked about your first book. We heard about your background, your experience as a labor attorney, and, and you had some really interesting stories for us. But, you know, today is a little bit different because I think today's book is something that pretty much everybody who's ever held a job can relate to. Your book is Psycho Bosses and Obnoxious Coworkers. Um, I can tell you I have had both, and I would imagine most people listening today have had both as well. I'm going to ask you right out of the blocks, Norma. Uh, you titled that for a reason. <laughs> is it because you've had psycho box bosses and obnoxious coworkers? <laughs> yeah, just a few. I've worked blue collar and white collar jobs over my career. The blue collar was to pay my way through college. And along the way, I've seen every variation of straw boss, psycho boss, and one or two really good bosses that were great at mentoring their uh, subordinates. But, um, you know, along with the psycho bosses, obnoxious co-workers, if you've ever been stuck in cubicle land, you know exactly what I mean. There's that person who talks too loud, uh, who snaps their gum, who's always on their cell phone doing business other than business for their employer. And those who have smelly foods that they like to bring in, it, it's Amazing that there's such universal stories and situations. Everybody has had a psycho boss or an obnoxious coworker at some point. Well, it's sad that that has to become a rite of passage. And for those who are listening and says, well, I must be special because I've never experienced it. I think both of us would say, just give us some time. But I'm more curious why, why this happens. <laughs> you know, I, I can tell you in my background, I've had some really, really great bosses and I've had some really, really bad bosses. And you look at the reasons, and I'm sure you and I could compare notes on what makes a great boss, what makes a bad boss, but I think everybody has their own criteria. And unfortunately, when you have a manager, that is basically the person that you have on your mind quite a bit, because that dictates what you're supposed to be doing at work. And so what I'd like to do is maybe talk a little bit about just some of those traits of psycho bosses. So, I mean, we have bad bosses and bad bosses are the opposite of good bosses. But when we say psycho, I mean, that that almost borders on like, let's have a drink yeah. and let's let's tell some stories. <laughs> so so give us some examples of what psycho boss looks like. Yeah, psycho bosses uh, under my criteria are the ones that, are constantly changing their mind. So they give you, uh, they're your boss, they decide how your career is going, they write the review on you, and they give you two or three things to do. And you say, okay, I need to manage my time, which is the highest priority. Oh, they're all priorities. Knowing full well, you can't do all three at the same time. So bosses that are um, unable to manage time for their subordinates in the sense of helping them set priorities, being mercurial, meaning constantly changing their mind and having mood changes constantly. If you've ever worked for somebody and I have one guy, when he'd get mad, he would throw things. So you just learned, you know, keep near the door, be ready to run if you have to, that kind of thing. And then there's others that uh, screamed screamed obscenities when things didn't go their way. You know, those are examples of psycho bosses. And I think it comes down to 
um, basically poor impulse control and anger management issues, I think is how a psychologist would describe it. Well, and then I guess you put it into, depending on a busy production environment and deadlines that are kind of pressing, it seems like it's the perfect recipe for someone who's already not in a good place in that role to just kind of go over the edge. Yeah, it is. Um, For some psycho bosses, um, they're not dealing well with the pressure they're under. They've been given metrics they have to meet. And they, as they get more tense and worried about what it means for their career, they start doing um, weird things, uh, wild things, um, lashing out at subordinates who they think are failing them uh, somehow because the subordinate isn't performing up to standards, but maybe they never made it clear what that subordinate was supposed to be doing, because that's another aspect of it. If you can't clearly explain what our goal is, and here's how we're going to reach it, and here's your part in it, subordinate, then everybody's sitting there going, okay, now what? What is it I'm supposed to be doing? And that just raises the temperature for everybody. And once there's uh, any sort of disagreement, then you have both sides getting kind of paranoid and suspicious and communication breaks down entirely. Well, I wonder if it breaks down because now I'm afraid of the boss that has more power than I do that seems to set all these standards that there's no way I can absolutely, you know, kind of even measure up to is that extra added stress that goes into it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because people are different. So, for example, I love sports and I love watching English Premier League soccer, um, football for them. And you can see the differences in the managers and how they manage people. Some will put an arm around a, a young lad and tell him, you know, here's what's expected of you. You screwed up, so now you sit on the bench while you get yourself sorted out. Uh, And then there's others that come out and publicly say things that are not kind to uh, one of their players. You know, they're not performing up to standard or as expected or whatever. For some people, they're tough enough where they can take a lot of abuse uh, and say, you know, a lot of negative comments and say, well, that's going to make me fight harder. But there's others that are more sensitive and it just makes them shut down. And whether it's in sports or in a business office, the same sorts of people are there. So there's the employee that when they have a boss that says unpleasant things to them, they're like, okay, I'm going to show you. And they will work harder and perform harder. But there's others that will say, you know, what's the use? And they completely shut down and become a drag on everything. Well, you know, let's go back to the example you gave with the people coaching football. So if you think about this, what if a coach that maybe demeaned the players and, you know, was more, would almost single them out in front of others, but had a winning record, you know, does that justify the treatment? And is that maybe going to excuse workers in American workplaces? If we're in a production environment and we're making our numbers and it's really critical, like we're making, um, respirators during COVID, like, hey, we got to grind out as many as we can. I mean, this style is bad, but it's getting the job done. I mean, is there ever a time we could justify psycho boss behavior? I don't think so, because whether it's in sports or in the office, you'll find that at some point having a winning record no longer works. Uh, At some point, 
it becomes so toxic that um, enough people say, you know what, I'm tired of watching you beat up on my friend here, whether it's my teammate or my uh, co-worker. Um, it doesn't matter how well this guy's hitting his metrics. He's leaving such a trail of abuse and desolation that it's not worth it to the company. Because eventually we both know that in the company, what happens is that you start having turnover. And the more turnover you have, the more backroom unrest, the less easy it is to recruit that next worker. And they're probably going to bail out even faster. So at some point, it becomes counterproductive. Yeah, I guess it's a matter of how long can a company tolerate it before they make the move? Because what I hear sometimes is, well, we know we should get rid of this person, but, you know, they know where the bodies are buried or they have all the institutional knowledge. You know, at what point does that not factor in anymore? Yeah, and I think it has to do with changing social attitudes. I think back when I started my career, and I worked with a couple of guys who were, shall we say, touchy-feely, and in all the wrong ways. And back then, it was kind of like, well, that's just the way that guy is. You know, stay away from him. It'll be okay. He's the top salesperson. You're just going to have to put up with it. Or he's your boss. Everybody's learned to deal with it. Now mm -hmm. you can't do that. Well, you shouldn't be able to do that anymore. So times change. And I think when I look at younger workers, they are much more likely to say, I'm not going to take this kind of abuse. The generation I'm from, you did what you had to do to have the job. Younger folks are now buying into the lesson that we learned the hard way, which is that you need work and life balance. And there's no reason to go to a job where you're belittled and made to fee, uh, feel miserable. So I think they're much more likely to call out somebody. And I think it's uh, you see it most commonly in that whole aggression and microaggression movement in the HR world where they're trying to root out behavior that makes others mm -hmm. uncomfortable. Now, I will say also with that, people are different. Personalities are different. And you will always find somebody in the workplace that irritates you no end because your personality and theirs just don't mesh. They set off triggers in you, you set off triggers in them. You're not ever going to be in a workplace where everything goes every way that you want it to go. It's not always going to be in your favor. At some point, you have to grow up and say, well, maybe it's not microaggression or aggression. It's just somebody whose personality and clashes with mine. So you have to be have the emotional intelligence to know that at some point you can't keep whining. You have to get down to business and do your job. But you have an invisible line that people shouldn't go over, whether they're coworkers or bosses. No, I like that boundary. And my hope is that that becomes just the culture moving forward. My fear, though, is that even though this generation seems like they're going to be a little bit more tuned into that, somehow, some way, bad bosses manage to slip into every single generation. So do you see, just from your perspective, like maybe more of the same or a little less of what we have now? Or are you thinking that maybe at some point we don't have these kind of bad psycho bosses? You know, it sounds pessimistic, but I think we'll always have psycho bosses. And the reason is because human nature is what it is. It hasn't changed in millennia and it's not going to change now. 
what's at disputed might change, but we learn by example as much, probably more so than by um, reading a good book. You know, you can read the Peter Principle all you want and still turn out to be a rotten boss if you don't take it to heart. So um, if you're learning that um, that certain ways got a person promoted, then you'll adapt adopt those same ways, even if they're counterproductive. And I think back, and I'm, I hate to say it, but some of the early women bosses I had seemed to, to adopt the worst characteristics of the worst, most obnoxious male boss they ever had. And they thought apparently that was what you do to be a manager, and it wasn't. So it didn't help anybody that they were out there trying to break the the glass ceiling while acting like everybody's worst enemy. And men and women are still going to do that going forward. And that's why there will always be um, psycho bosses. Hopefully the number goes down as people learn how to... Um, to change, modify some of their behavior, and there's less reward. You have to, at some point, say, you may be the top salesperson. You may be the most dynamic operations manager we ever had, but male or female, you're leaving too much in your wake. So you need to get some help. And if that's a business coach or encouraging them to get some uh, psychological help, some, uh, a better mentor to learn better examples, whatever it is. But you have to invest in them just like you would invest in anybody else in the business. You know, I completely agree. I, I think that when we say management development, that's exactly what it is. There's a lot of work that goes into it. And my hope is that Eventually, you and I run out of work one day because this problem is solved. I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen, not at my age anyway, but I mean, it's something, you know, it's something to look forward to. So so let's think about this. We have yeah. bad bosses and then we have the obnoxious coworkers. So with a bad boss, sometimes we just sort of have to take it. They have more power than we do. I know we can speak to power, but with an obnoxious coworker, that might be a completely different thing because there may not be a power dynamic. That said, it is still annoying to have a talker or a chewer or a gum cracker or any of these things in the cubicle next to you. So aside from those little weird quirky things, what are some of the other obnoxious things that people say coworkers can do? Um, one of the stories in the book is about, uh, I think it's called Sharing Sharon, the people who overshare. Uh, their personal lives. I really don't care what your cat had for breakfast. Seriously, I don't. I don't care that your dog had to go to the vet. I'm sorry, but what has that got to do with what we're trying to do here in the workplace? So those kinds of people are really obnoxious. They're kind of like typhoid Mary. They can clear a room really fast because everybody's like, oh, oversharing's coming down the pike, you know, and you get away from them because you don't want to hear their their little petty issues uh, so that's an example of another type of obnoxious coworker. So when you think about obnoxious coworkers, what is a way that we could, you know, considering the fact that we could have an argument with somebody, but the bottom line is we have to work right next to them every single day except the weekend. How can we address some of these annoying things without completely destroying the relationship where we can't work next to each other anymore? There's got to be a way to do this. Is it possible or do we just have to tolerate it? Uh 
Well, I can say from my own personal experience, I probably didn't do a good job at times in cubicle world dealing with some of the obnoxiousness next to me. And I'm sure I offended lots of people too. Uh, But I do think there are some ways, you know, again, it comes down to the dynamics between the employees, the, the co-workers. Maybe you can say to them, you know, if you don't mind lowering your voice so so I can keep working while you're on the phone, or I'd appreciate if you didn't crack your gum uh, while we're trying to do things, or, you know, we do have a break room. You could eat your lunch in there and get away from your desk and not have to sit there trying to work at the same time. So there are ways you can start by trying to interact with the other person and find a way to reduce the um, obnoxious behavior. But keep in mind, if you're asking somebody else to do something, they probably are ready with something that you do that they wish you wouldn't, like clicking the pen cap or whatever. Mm -hmm. So think about that. Um, There are, you know, some people I know wear headphones and listen to music on, um, on their phones as a way to block out the background noise. So there's various things you can do. If it gets to the point where, you know, everybody's ready to rumble, then you probably need to have HR involved and figure out, can we move people's cubicle uh, locations around? Um, You don't want to reward bad behavior, but at some point to get the job done, you may have to look at that kind of solution. Um, So it, it all depends on the people. And that sounds waffly, but unfortunately, that's how people are. It's fuzzy. What works in one case might not work in another. It could be you just haven't learned to uh, learned enough about somebody. And so like recently, I was dealing with a person and the first couple of times I interacted with them, I w- was thinking, how soon can I get away from having to deal with this guy? <laughs> but then as I got to know him better, I realized that his what I considered obnoxiousness, I could tolerate as I got to know him better. So sometimes it's just breaking down the barriers instead of going straight to DEFCOM 1 and saying, I hate this person. I don't know anything about them. Maybe you try and learn, try to learn a little bit more about them and and where they're coming from and see if there's a way to work through the problem before you have to escalate it to HR. Yeah. When it goes to that length, then it's a major deal. But what about a scenario where it's not so much an obnoxious coworker, but maybe you have a few coworkers who are just real sociable. They love chatting. They like to talk about, you know, not overshare, but just maybe a more outgoing person contrasted with coworkers that prefer to leave their personal life outside of work. They just want to come in, do their job and go home. Um, that is actually something I'm working around right now. And I'm just kind of curious to get your perspective because it's not like they're saying anything bad and the other people are not just being nasty, but it's almost starting to get portrayed that way. So how do we handle something as simple as I am probably more extroverted and you happen to be more introverted? I mean, I think this is the root of some of this and I'm working with this, but I mean, these little subtle things, like how do you handle it? Is it just people having to work in tight spaces or, I mean, am I just oversensitive? This is just kind of bizarre stuff. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Um, Sometimes people are overly sensitive. Sometimes it's just too many bodies crammed into too small a space. Um, 
The difference between introverts and extroverts, I've dealt with that myself over the years. And again, um, I know for some introverts, they'll just say, you know, that's not something I want to do. I'm over here doing my work, focusing on it. I show up, I go home. I worked with a couple of working moms that were like that. They didn't have time for chit chat. They had to come in, get their work done so they could get out at the end of the day and go pick up the kids from school or daycare. So once you recognize, if you can get people, coworkers to recognize your style is extrovert and this person's an introvert, so they're not going to join in your conversations. The other thing is with the extroverts is sometimes they need to be reminded that this is not the social hour. You have breaks, you have lunch breaks, um, you have after work and before work. And so right now this is office time and perhaps we need to cut back on the uh, social schedule and get back to work to meet uh, the requirements of your job. Sad that we have to go back to elementary school rules, but that's almost, I can almost imagine a teacher standing up and saying that right now. I guess that what it comes down to is we really don't grow up as much as we think we do. Yeah. One of the blogs I wrote over um, a few years back was that we don't just, we don't grow up. We just get bigger. Whatever our personality was in grade school and middle school, you know, the kid, the bully on the playground is just going to be a bigger version of bully. And the social butterflies, the same thing. The mean girls are going to be mean girls, regardless of age. And that's just the way people are. Unless there's something intervening, a major issue in their life event that makes them rethink how they interact with others and what their priorities are, um, you're never going to get to any change. It's just the way it is. Well, that is the sad reality, but... The good news is at least you've learned how to say that, I'm guessing, with a big sense of humor. Let's talk about the book. Your last book is written almost like a story. Is this book the same way? Uh, this one is uh, basically vignettes, short stories about um, events in the workplace. And they're all based on actual events, most of which I lived through in prior workplaces. And so the idea behind the book was when I started my business about 12 years ago, I had a shoestring budget and I needed to advertise the business. And so I had no marketing budget. I thought, I'll start a blog and people will flock to it. Well, originally there were 35 people who read it and almost all of them were closely related to me by blood or marriage. Eventually, it did grow and I got more people reading it. And then I converted some of those blogs into the, the Psycho Bosses book. But it's all people and personality types that everybody has seen and probably witnessed in the workplace. Yeah, that's exactly what we need. And that's the challenge. I think when it comes down to it, these are work issues, but they're the same kind of human issues we dealt with on the playground. We're just bigger versions of that. I love that analogy, but the good news is I'm thinking you're able to say it with a little bit of uh, brains behind this, or we have some solutions and also with a sense of humor, because if you can't laugh at this, this can be very, very frustrating, especially if you have a psycho boss and really obnoxious coworkers. Yeah. A lot of the situations were not at all funny at the time I lived through them, but I do find them humorous now. And I use humor because I actually want people to read the book. 
if you HR can be very dull if all you're doing is the thou shalt not do this or that or the next thing. And so humor with a story, people remember the story and they're like, yeah, I had that psycho boss, only the name was fill in the blank, or I had that obnoxious coworker. And so that feeling that they're not alone. I mean, I still have HR people and others that come up to me and say, when you start working on your blog again, let me know because I got a great story for you. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Well, I'm guessing that there should be probably a part two of this book at some point then, right? Well, hopefully. um, When I can find the time to write it, yes. (laughs) Okay, good. Well, then I guess the last question I have for you, Norma, is if somebody's listening today and they say, man, I definitely need to find this book. How do I get a copy of this book? And then also, uh, I didn't listen to the first podcast. You have another book. So Norma, tell us how we how we can get copies of your books. The books are available on Amazon and um, both of them are up there on Amazon and in hard copy for the first uh, for um things go wrong. This book is soft copy, uh, soft cover only, um, but also in Kindle versions. So on Amazon. Excellent. Well, Norma, thank you so much for taking time to be back with us for another episode. If you are listening today, please go ahead and check out Norma Shirk's books. You can get them on Amazon. Norma, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thanks for taking the time to listen to another episode of the HR Oxygen podcast. I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy making them. I've learned so much from the guests we've had on the show over the past few years, and I hope that you will continue to listen to us regularly. If you are a subscriber on any podcast app or channel, would you do us a favor and take a moment and leave us a review? We would really, really appreciate it. Also, if you have the time, check out all the offerings we have on our website, which is thebossbuilders.com. We have every other month a Sherm Credit webinar that we present as well as a ton of other events, not to mention our Art of the Great Boss and Art of Being a Great Teammate programs. More information on that site today. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Oh, by the way, you may want to unbuckle that seatbelt. I think we just arrived at the gate. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. We hope you found something today that will relieve your stress, feed your soul, and pump you up to face another day. At Boss Builders, we want to let you know that we appreciate the hard work you do every day as an HR professional. And as a reminder, always make sure to adjust your own oxygen mask before attempting to help those around you. Be well.